You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. I want to be a producer. Hey everybody, don't forget this Wednesday, special webinar, How to Sell Tickets with Social Media, It Can Be Done. And don't forget, you can get this webinar for free when you join the ProducersPerspectivePro.com. Now on with the podcast. Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kendavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kendavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. Hello, everyone. It's time for another Producers Perspective podcast. I am Ken Davenport. My guest today is one of those folks in the biz that usually arranges interviews instead of being interviewed. He's one of the few, the proud, one of the most powerful press agents on Broadway. Welcome, press agent Adrian Brian Brown. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you, Ken. Adrian, along with his partner, Chris Bono, runs Bono Brian Brown. And I won't list off all their credits because we'd be here until 2087. Just a few. This season's Waitress, upcoming Paramore, My Spring Awakening, as well as Something Rotten, The Audience, Motown, Curious Incident, and so on and so on. Go to theplaybillvault.com to check them all out. Last year, Adrian won the Tony Award for Excellence in Theater, which was mind-blowing to me because he's probably going to work in the business for another 40, 50 (laughs) years. Um, So, Adrian, let's um, start with this. I want you to imagine you're in North Dakota. Have you ever been to North Dakota? I have been to North Dakota. It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Imagine you're there. and you're Great at a, theater town. <laughs> I played North Dakota, Grand right. Forks. Uh, and you're at a bar in North Dakota, and you're sitting next to someone who has never seen a Broadway show before. And they say, hey, you there with the accent. What do you do for a living? Well, what, say, would, what would you say? Have you heard of this thing called Hamilton? Oh, <laughs> uh-huh, I get that, it. That, that's <laughs> always a way in. No, I, I, I think, look, I, I think we're storytellers. I'm, I'm from a, a, a grand tradition of Broadway storytellers. And, and you have the most magnificent stories being told on Broadway. And I've been lucky enough to be someone who tells that story. And so what is that story? What is this thing? Um, Broadway is this unbelievable communal gathering of completely disparate people, hopefully, who who have come together to do something as old as time, tell a story. And my role is to share that and to take that two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour show and tell the world about it. And so here in North Dakota, you may not have heard about it, but you've been to a movie, and this is like that, only much better. You've watched television. It's like that, slightly better, because TV is so good. But, but but that's that's what I do. I, I, I'm, I go out and I bang the drum to tell people about this thing called Broadway. So how did you get into this storytelling business of uh, yours? How did I get into the storytelling business? Well, I, I got a degree in biology, which I thought was very important, from the uh, University of London in a, a, a college called Royal Holloway College in Egham, Surrey. Um, Egham is on, like, the flight path over Heathrow, and that's about one of the most distinguishing um, features of it. Um, One podcast listener just went, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, Egum, Egum. Um, so, so we go. Um, I'm I'm very fortunate in that I've grown up in London and New York. My folks came over to New York when I was very young, so I was sent to school in England, but came here. And and I um 
I I was kind of spoiled rotten. I, I was I was sent to a lot of theatre and, and took myself to a lot of theatre in both country, both New York and London. Um, but but I decided, or my folks decided, get a degree in something sensible um, before you have any idea of, of working in show business. Um, and of course, so I said, okay, I like biology. It's the most artistic of the sciences, he said pretentiously. And I, um, I, I, I then said, okay, I want to go to UCLA film school now and I want to make movies. Um, it was right the summer of um, Star Wars and I thought, I am the next George Lucas. Um, I went there for a summer and, and I didn't like LA. Um, to all you people out there, I now love LA. I was very young. I didn't get it. Um, so I went to film school for a bit and then I came back to New York and I became an expert at making the Carvel cookie puss. Um, Carvel ice cream, one of their great cakes was the cookie puss. Um, I, I, I made a brilliant one. And after a couple of months of that, I thought there is more to life than making uh, ice cream sandwiches. And I, I, I was introduced to a woman called Susan Block, who was a press agent who had worked at Lincoln Center. And I just went there part-time to see what it was. And after about three weeks, I realized, this is really cool. This is, again, this is storytelling. You know, I, I call up a journalist or I send a press release to a journalist saying, this thing is happening, this event is happening, this show is happening. And then, you know, occasionally it appears in the paper. You think, wow, I've, I've now gone from this little story that was just me telling this journalist to several hundred thousand people who might actually see this story. And so, so there was there was the gratification and, and sort of eager or whatever you like of like, oh, you know, I, I can I can sell this. And, and you're selling an idea and you're selling a happy idea. And, and so that was that was very seductive. Now, I also analyzed at that point or a little bit later that I had always been someone who who watched how press and media works. Uh, as a kid, I was obsessed with the space program and I used to clip newspapers. Whenever I saw an article about the space program, I'd clip it. There were certain movies I, I liked or movie directors I liked, even like as an early teenager, and I would clip those reviews and sort of follow the pattern of careers. So so I guess, looking back, I was, I was sort of destined to be someone who was obsessive about that storytelling and gathering of the information with the idea that, you know, other people should know about this too, and I could be instrumental in helping them do that. What do you think makes a great press agent? Is it contact to reviewers? Is it what, what I, are the characteristics that I, go into I, I, I think that the, the ones I always admire are um, people who um, can can see in in the most ordinary looking thing um, something that is exciting that can connect with the zeitgeist horrible word but I mean but but can connect with the current mood so you know it, it could be a Strindberg play but maybe there's something about the way it's designed directed acted that that relates to Donald Trump's campaign what what can you see in in, in a project that may just look there's nothing like an ordinary play but just like a traditional play that that makes it resonate Maybe it's an extraordinary performance that, that is truly not just hyperbole, but really is a great performance. Maybe it is the design. Maybe it is the way the director staged it. So who can find those stories and get them to the right people to amplify it? 
And also, I mean, what I learned from Lee Salters, who was an all-time great, was that the story is never over. So you, you do a photo opportunity about the ringing of um, Barnum elephants coming to town. And, you know, th that's great. You get pictures in the paper of the elephants coming to town. Everyone loves that shot of them coming through the tunnel. But then the good press agent also does a story on how the elephant poop is used in Cece's guest's garden to grow roses. And, and these, these are stunning prize-winning roses that need the poop from the elephants that are coming through the tunnel. And then you, you complete the story by placing somewhere else that these roses are then used to decorate the opening night party when Barnum and Bailey opened. So, so it's, it's squeezing every possible opportunity, every, finding every area, and, and I think that's, that's what creative press agents do. They, you, you don't fabricate it, but you, you find what's interesting. You distill it. And, and they, they cut through the noise that we all face to point out these are the three reasons why this is interesting. And they help people do that. So you, you tell more story. And, and so that's what my heroes do who do this business. Well, and I will just tell everyone about how you did exactly that on Spring Awakening. When I called you, I remember saying, hey, I'm doing Deaf West Spring Awakening on Broadway and I want to do it. And you, it was like you immediately clicked into the angle. I remember you saying like, Ken, uh, this is the year of diversity on Broadway and this will fit right into this story. It was just like you saw that angle very, very quickly. Is there something you do in your office as a whole, what what do you have a process by like? Okay, how are we going to figure out the angle on this Strindberg play? Or right, right. No, we we, we do we 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 meet a lot, um, but we also it's it's because we we set up teams in the office. Um, you you can find that sometimes you can get in a rut. You you can find we've really thought this out. So we will have breakout where we will have the whole meet the whole office talk about. Okay, here's. I never say problem. Here's the challenge. You know, we, we've hit a dead end with these story ideas. What can you think of? And I'm 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 a firm believer too in th three things makes a trend. So if if you can find three other shows or three other creative people who have the same story, can you package that? Can you present it to someone? Um, and I I think it's very healthy when we're in an environment of about fifteen people to have that so that. You, you, especially if you're fortunate enough to be working on long-running shows, you, you, you kind of want to be stimulated in you to help find those ideas and to keep it fresh, because the news cycle now is minutes. You know, in in ye olde days when I started, you could um, place a story in a newspaper and you'd see a ripple effect for several days. Now an item runs online, and I think you may see a blip in sales then, but that item is old news in minutes. So we have to keep reinventing and retelling. Nothing, you can't coast on anything anymore. Um, so if, if that extraordinary piece runs on 60 minutes, you know you're going to sell a lot of tickets the next few days, but you want to have that, that to have a longer impact. So you repurpose it. You you know, send it out through social media. You send it to people who, God forbid, were away when the show opened and don't know about it. So so we have, a lot of the discussions we have are not, not only how do you get and find and sell different angles, but how do you amplify them? And it goes back to picking up the elephant poop. And, and you, 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 it's, 
you know, the one story is great, but then, you know, who, who can do something with it? How can that be used to get another story or a follow-up? Um, so, yes, I mean, that, that's how we work internally. We start as a small group of people working on a show, but there's the resource of a whole load of people who may just say, oh, I hear so-and-so is doing a roundup on something, and, and it's, it, it needs that because otherwise you become very isolated. You mentioned a couple things that are new to the press world today, social media and news by the minute. What are some of the other examples of how press has changed since you began? And well, that, for the right. better or for the worse? I mean, to sound like a really old fart, it, it really was about each Broadway opening, they got an advanced feature in the New York Times and a fabulous special drawing. And that was a given. And there were six local TV critics on opening night. You, you could literally, you know, you know at, at uh, 11.15, you could be on the dial going click, 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 and then watch all the different reviews run sometimes over top of each other. But, but that, that, that was the medium. It was, it was, print was all important, and TV was this kind of useful place that no one was really sure about. Um, now, clearly, print has now become completely shattered, and we're in a world where we have to evaluate every opportunity in a different way because just getting a story now is 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 kind of irrelevant. It's what the story is and where it is and how it plays. So if Perez Hilton, who's you know a pop commentator, goes crazy about something and that's shared by a lot of people, that may have more influence than a rather stodgy review with a playwright in the New York Times, quite frankly. It's, it's just... And, and we don't know, because that changes daily, what, what is the most important thing. So I think how it's changed is we have to, there is no formula anymore. We have to evaluate every opportunity. And every time we go to ew.com or l.com, we need to think about how many people it's reaching, what their message will be, will it lift it, will it separate it from other shows in the street, because we are competitive, not just with all entertainment, but with other shows. And I think that is the major change, that, 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 that there is no, I don't think there was a real formula, but there's no, um, there's no structure. You have to keep reinventing what the campaign is. Um, and it makes it way more interesting, but it's also way more unpredictable. Um, and I think we've seen certainly with advertising, we have, we have no idea now what, what is effective advertising. We know we, we need to do it. We need to buy space in certain places. We do see direct response from certain direct mail, from email blasts, if you categorize that in the advertising. But you, you, can't, you can't be certain of anything. So I think what we're finding is we are, we are being more efficient about reaching the right people, but the messaging, we have to have more layers of it. Because you know the one ad in the Times is not going to do it. The one direct mail piece is not going to do it. Um, and I think there was a time when you could certainly launch that way. You could say, we'll take a Times ad, we'll do a direct mail piece. There'll be a certain amount of editorial and the show, we'll, we'll get a launch and we'll see what we have. You can't do that anymore. You, you have to go on so many levels. And you know maybe as a result, we have refined the audience too much. We, we've, we've shut out a lot of maybes because we're not even bothering to address them because we can't afford to. That makes sense. 
What do you think press will look like in 10 to 20 years from now? I think it, the editorial is becoming grayer and grayer, by which I mean it's it's become... If you look at a lot of the places that theater fans go to, they are ticket brokers or they are ticket sellers directly. I mean, you could argue the New York Times has always been a ticket seller, but... but um, what I mean is that, you know, Broadway.com sells tickets. Label.com has a mailing list that sells tickets. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see less traditional print interviews and and the sites that, 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 that represent those. So, I mean, like, say, the New York Times.com is, is going to still carry the same content, but it's going to feel more sales-driven. And I think eventually press will become indistinguishable from social media. I mean, right now, I, th- I think we have, we, we, we still have the primary responsibility for coming up with those stories and selling that. And then social media is an adjunct to that in that it shares them. And the, the, the way I think the, the press agent's role is going to change more is we are going to be seeing not just the people who are sharing and making the stories, but also coaching everyone involved because now every individual who is part of a Broadway show is a spokesperson and in uncontrollable ways. And so I think our role is going to become much more, not just the cheerleader, but also the the coach and the positioning leader so that everyone is speaking not with one voice, but with the right voice about the production. Um, And I think what's been interesting is seeing how that has evolved to you know, certain Broadway actors or other players who have huge following on, on social networks, um, how how their message can really help their show or hurt their show. I've never thought about that before. Normally, you'd have to give one actor your star a couple some media training. Right, but right. now, you have to think about the entire cast from yeah. every single chorus boy and make sure they're all on point and on message yeah. and not saying anything that. And and, 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 and and some some are great at social media. Some some really have great intuition about it and are fun with it and and clever with it. Um, and and also what's what's kind of nice is a lot of them are champions for Broadway as a whole. So it's not just proselytizing about your particular show. And that is a healthy reminder for us all that my job is to sell my show. It's very secondary to sell Broadway. And because I, that's not who pays me. And as, as much as I love all Broadway, that's not the point. But, but I think someone who is on, on, in a show, it, it's, it's very healthy for them to say, I just saw Mormon last night. I thought it was brilliant. I think that's a very good, synergistic, helpful thing to do. I won't do that. Well, I will with Mormon, but I, I, I'm not going to sell someone else's show particularly. But, but that's, you know... Uh, what about reviews? They matter as much today as they did yesterday. Well, it's it's interesting that, isn't it? If you if you look at this week's grosses, which you don't have to look specifically at this week's grosses, but if you were to look at this week's grosses, the um, play with the smallest gross um, got a really very nice review from Ben Brantley a couple of weeks ago. Um, the musical with the lowest gross um, got a very nice review from Charles Isherwood last week. Um, now, you could also say that there's several shows, well, there's also shows like um, Beautiful, which I adore, which didn't get a very good review from the Times, but is in the top ten, doing incredibly well. 
Um, I, I think it's yes, they matter like crazy because they are they are telling people to show us here. They are they're like a trigger point. You know, it's it's fair game. They're open. It's no longer this thing in development. It's 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 born. Um, but at the same time, I think it's becoming rarer and rarer that a review makes a hit. I think they help make a hit. And I also think bad shows that get bad reviews will close. <laughs> right? I mean, good shows that get bad reviews might actually make it. And and we've got to remember it's about taste. It's it's a, a critic... Um, you know, it's 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 it's. I think more and more, it's it's become politicized. I mean, I think in the days of Frank Rich, it was it was certainly quite political, but it but it was also matching very much the zeitgeist of of of, of the what was being produced at the time. Um, that he, you know, he 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 wrote with opinion, and sometimes you felt that seems like he's pushing an agenda. Um, but at the same time, it was. I don't think he ever killed a really good show. He might have made them less successful, but he anyway. So, so I'm waffling on to say I think critics will always matter because they they, they are an important part of the conversation. But I, I think the idea that it's going to be a bloodbath because all the critics didn't like it tends to happen to bad shows. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We focus on it so much. Even people like me, I'm wait like pacing yeah. in the background, no, no, waiting. We do, and I, yet I know. I know that Wicked didn't get the strongest review. Yeah. I know yeah. this stuff, but still, there's just something about no, it. No, it, but because because it's it's personal. <laughs> it's it's very personal. Like me, please like no, me. Yeah, but it's like me, but also yeah. It's and and you think, oh, come on, guys. You know, it's it's like, you know, it's it's it it's just as hard to good on good on a bad show as it is to good on a good show. It's it's like, come on. Um, you know. Do you read the chat boards? I do, um, but I what I I do is I I can you know you you know I mean anyone reading them you know what a plant is you know what a thing is I, I it's it's funny I mean something happened this week and update this but it's um, with um, Broadway World which was was very interesting the the idea that an actor says you know what this is really wrong and un, unkind. Um, and expressed in a very sort of eloquent and, and not sort of whining way, saying that this is unnecessarily vicious. And, you know, Broadway Worlds accepted that, that, okay, that the chat rooms should be put in a place where they are exactly that and not part of their news content. And I think that's great. Um, but I also think that the age of the chat room has passed because everyone is, can comment. I mean, it, it used to be that you know, talking Broadway was a place where you'd went because you couldn't read someone's blog. You couldn't read, and I think certain people are very outspoken, you know, in in a more responsible way because they're identified. But I think people will express their opinions now, um, and and I think the chat room and hiding behind that is now seen for what it is, which is just to again manipulate some agenda. For those of you who didn't hear about the Broadway World scandal of last week, we'll call yeah. it that just because it sounds it so sounds, sexy. Yeah. Um, but uh, Patty Murin, Broadway actress Patty Murin, wrote a, a wonderful blog, and she she has a blog. Go check it out, and uh, she, where she talks about um, the the chat boards, chat boards, and uh, them just getting a little nasty and unnecessarily so. 
Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's really bitchy, and, and it's, um, and, and I, I, you know, I, I'm afraid because I, I do check them out too much. I, I, I totally like negate the extremes. You know, it's, you figure, okay, these, these are just people who are out for something. And, Olympic scoring on the chat board. There you go. That's right. Totally. The highest and the lowest go out. Out, out. In the middle. No, I um, listen. I look at them but, from but, time to time. But, but from from my point of view, what is important is that um, all writers and reporters read them too. So so that the, the, there is a, an expectation. Critics read them as well. So there is an expectation, no matter how detached they say they are, to sort of check something out or to just just. just it, it, it taints the agenda. How many shows? Do you know how many shows you've worked on in your career? Do you know the number? It, I, I believe it's it's more than 200. More than 200. Yeah. So you've worked with a lot of different producers during that time. I, I have worked with a lot of different producers. Who's your favorite? I couldn't answer that question. Damn it! They're all my favorite. But uh, you can, can come on, it's you. Of course. That's what I Thank was Thank you. I, 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 was, I was, you know, I had, I had a brain fart. Sorry. Ken, how could you ask me that? Exactly. What characteristics make up uh, some of your favorite producers? What What do you, in the handful of your the, favorites, what the, are the they? The ones who get it when you say, I'm sorry, they're not going to do a story. <laughs> Those are my favorite. No, I, 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 I think, look, it's, it's I, I, I have such love and admiration for the profession because it, it's so, um, it, I mean, you are slapped and pushed and beaten at every turn and I, I think it, there's there's a necessary blind passion that has to happen with a producer and I think you know I I like to work on projects because I like the producer I can't always like their taste or like their show that, that that's the reality of it um, but I I and that's not to say I'll, I will just work on anything but, but but if a producer is really passionate about it has the money, wants to do it, wants to get it on, uh, you know, believes in it, has stuck with it for twenty years or, or less, but 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 is just committed. H- how can you not say I want to help you in any way I can? Um, and and so I think it's people who, or or men and women who who are, who haven't just sort of bought a title or something, but have really found it and say, I I really want to spend the next five years of my life making this live, and. That, that that's it. People who are saying that this this matters so much that that you know I it's not that I'm going to be a complete asshole and, and make everyone miserable, but but I am I am I'm going to do anything I can to get an audience to come see this. Um, and that, that that that's that's the characteristic of the, the, that passion, which I as again I'm quite I admit I can't necessarily share on what they're producing, but I can share their enthusiasm. What's the biggest mistake that you think producers make when they think about press? I, I, I think, and, and uh, this, is, this is hard, I, I, I think it's the, it, as, as we mentioned earlier, it's very personal. When, when someone says something negative about your show, it's, it's very personal. And I think it's not the biggest mistake, but I think the biggest misunderstanding is... Um, how you, you, you are you, you're doing the best you can you, you are you are making a very important piece of work but but that will not necessarily be respected by everyone 
and and so someone may make a shitty offhand comment um and but and that that hurts because you know they don't have the background they're just being lazy but to to try not to let it get to you i th- i think that's that's you know getting really wound up you know like when when reader writes a crappy column um it it's horrible and and what what's normally hurtful is there's probably a gem of truth in it it's just the way he's written it is so destructive and mean and and you feel like shit i mean you just feel awful and and so what i would like to say it's it's not a mistake but what i like to impart to a producer um is d- don't 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 take it personally please please you know write him a hate mail or phone him up and call him bad names but but don't d- don't make you think you've done something wrong you haven't done anything wrong you know this is someone who's just trying to write some copy to sell a newspaper and you know we all love michael that's what he does but 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 don't so i th- i think the biggest thing is is and and it sounds so ridiculous it's very personal but don't take it personally this is a business that has in many of its professions vendors just a small group of people that provide it yeah. so press agents for advertising agencies and three of them handle pretty much all of broadway right. press agents same thing invariably you're going to end up with conflicts you're going to end up with representing shows that are competing for the same tony award perhaps or certainly for two plays that may have similar audience right, right. this has happened to you i assume it, it 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 has it's it's amazing though how rarely there's ever been a moment of having to make sophie's choice because because they're either on slightly different trajectories they're in different areas they they you know they you know one might be a musical revival one might be a musical but but no two shows are the same and i think that's part of what we do i mean if we're doing it well we 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 exploit those areas that make it different that make it special that make it unique and i i can't i mean listen i'm sure it's being perceived as such but i've never had a moment where i've thought holy shit i've got to like not do that because of this one it it it's never really happened and and even though we have had say two plays in the same category or whatever it's it's not like one has been shortchanged and i i'd like to believe that we've done as good a job as someone who didn't have that perceived conflict by you know selling a story is there a piece of press in your career that you're most proud of like one article or television appearance or something what's the no, one no, thing I, I just I, it's it's more you know it's 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 part of the survival technique is to try and eradicate the bad stuff and unfortunately what happens along the way is you forget a lot of the good stuff too. <laughs> but but no but i mean i just i just love i love the really silly things like i mean i'll never forget when um the little theater was being renamed the Helen Hayes theater because they'd locked down poor old Helen Hayes's big theater so the little theater was being renamed and we um organized an event where we were going to put her feet in cement outside like grandma's chinese okay so we um had this block of cement and Helen Hayes came along and she you know, trodden it and everything but it, it was separate so you could lift it off so it could go dry before it was then going to be put in the sidewalk later So um you know we do it it's really funny she's really sweet saying I've been wanting to get rid of these shoes for years I mean we 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 had a great time 
Anyway, then we looked around afterwards and the cement block had disappeared. And we thought, oh my God, someone's stolen it. And then I thought, oh my God, someone's stolen it. And we got stories in Time Magazine and Newsweek about how the block of cement with Helen Hayes' feet in had been stolen. Um, actually, one of the porters had like put it downstairs somewhere and hidden it to make sure it dried okay without being interfered with. But we didn't realize that till later. Uh, um, so, you know, for we, we got the news weeklies. We got like big stories about who stole Helen Hayes' feet. Now, okay, that, that didn't sell any tickets or anything, but that was certainly, that was fun. That was one of the fun things you remember. And uh, so, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, like certain guys and dolls stuff and like having hour-long TV specials and things that just work so beautifully on live television that you couldn't believe it. But but it, it's it's the fun stuff you remember. <laughs> what if some a producer came to you and said, "Look, I'm doing a very small show off off Broadway. I've got no stars. It's a new play. I've got nothing. There's really nothing I can give you to sell this show." Oh. I'd say, "Can you pay five thousand dollars a week?" <laughs> I can't do that. I can't even pay my rent. <laughs> then what on earth would I go near you? <laughs> What no. kind of advice would you give to someone yeah. that needs to get some attention for their show yeah. but doesn't have a lot of assets? No, I, I, I think it's unfortunately it is it is so driven by um, what those assets are, and, and if it's if it is an unbelievably great new script um, with an actor you haven't heard of <clears throat> by a hot young director, but it's you know I. Someone like me, I can call in favors and I say, please give up 90 minutes of your life. You have to go see this. But I'd say to someone who, who doesn't know anybody, it's really impossible. And, and you know, let's not pretend. And I think you, you kind of need to get into a playwright festival or, or need to be part of one of those festivals to at least be considered in that mix. And then hopefully you can beg a couple of intelligent bloggers to come along. And, and start the ball rolling that way, but but I think that you know that, that there is there is no sort of silver bullet to suddenly say you know if you do this you will get this. It's the competition is just way too much. Um, it's like an actor who wants to work on Broadway. I, I think just get out there and audition. And and but but not to be flipped. I I do think you, you can help yourself by. By doing what I say we do all the time, which is, what is your story? Why should someone not stay home and watch Kevin Spacey on TV and come see your thing? What 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 is what is what not change your life? But why are they going to feel that they've invested their time? Because we've now determined that money is not the main thing; it's it's people's time that matters. Why should they give up their time? And it, it, you can't just use hyperbole. You have to connect in some way. You have to, you know, connect to what is happening now, how this relates to something that's happening now. How does it relate to Star Wars? How does it relate to Donald Trump? But, but, but I mean, what, what is it of, why is it of the moment? Why, why should someone do this? So I think getting to be part of a festival is, is certainly, I'd, I'd say, a way to do it. Because at least then you have a shot of having people who are looking for that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the festival circuit for emerging artists myself. Yeah, yeah I just and and again, I, I don't sound glib about it, but I I think j just 
finding enough money to just get it on off Broadway, you're not doing yourself any favors. Okay, Adrian, my last question. I want you to imagine that the genie from Aladdin, yes, appears. Wish, did I hear wish? (laughs) Wow, that's very good. and the genie says to you, Adrian, I know you got a Tony Award last year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one better for you. And I'm going to grant you one wish. What is the one thing that drives you so crazy about Broadway that makes you mad, that makes you so angry, keeps you up at night and like, ugh, if I could only change this. What's the one thing that you would have this genie change? That, snap that is fingers? so complicated. Um, I, I, I think it, it look, it, it all comes down to I want more people to see the shows. So what can we do, whether it's ticketing, schedule, um, education, um, access? I mean, we have, we, I mean, we haven't talked about diversity, which has, is, is so important now, and, and rightfully. So what, what are, how, how can we make this a audience more audience friendly without um, patronizing the audience and without lying to the audience what what are the things we can do and so you know what, what I want I guess I'd like the genie to make everyone think wow I really want to go to see a show because it makes me feel good I also makes me feel like I spent my time wisely that's that's a terribly evasive answer but 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 I there is no there is no one thing. Ticketing is ridiculous problem. Real estate is a ridiculous problem. Um, performance schedules are a ridiculous problem. I mean, th- there are there are many things. Challenge, sorry, not problem. Challenge, um, and and so so. But it ultimately comes down to how can I get as wide a number of people of different cultures, backgrounds, uh, experience wanting to come to Broadway. And I want the genie to tell them all that that's all they want to do. That, that's it. All day long. All day long. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for yeah. doing this and for everything you do for the theater and for having the best accent on Broadway as well. <laughs> I, I, can you believe he's lived here 50 years and he sounds like this? It's an act. It's an that's act. Crazy. It's an act. Uh, big thanks to Adrian and to all of you for listening. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, how to sell tickets with social media. Check out the blog for more info or sign up for free at theproducersperspectivepro.com. I'm gonna be a producer. Look out, Broadway, here I Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.